Hockey to Hell and Back is proudly brought to you by Team Issued Limited. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger. A community for all, striving towards the same goal. Go to teamissued.ca, use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. Alivo to the right hand, puts her down, he's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Alivo just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen... I played major junior and professional hockey. Throughout my teenage years on the outside, everything looked perfect. When you're hot, you're hot. Brady Leobold with his fourth goal of the game. And the Kelowna Rockets having a whole lot of fun tonight. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody. I submerged myself into hockey that worked for a while until it didn't. Oxycontin led me to heroin. Heroin led me to fentanyl and everything else. Homeless on the streets of Hastings in Vancouver. Over three years of my life I've spent behind bars. But now I'm clean fighting to get my life back. Everything I do is for the memory of Matthew Wazinski and all of our fallen brothers and sisters in the hockey community. Matthew Wazinski, Mitch Fatten, this one's for you. I lost everything and almost my life. My name's Brady Leibold and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. I'm breaking stuff over here. I'm so excited. Let's go. Welcome back, guys, to another episode. Hockey to hell and back. Episode number three, guys. 13, not three. I'm looking at numbers here. I haven't done a podcast in so long. It feels like episode three. Holy shit, guys. Thanks for joining me. If you're listening live, thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. Uh, Still getting lots of my listenership through audio people listening at work, driving to work. Thank you. I truly, truly appreciate it. I cannot believe people want to listen to me yap my gab off uh, as much as I do. Um, So thank you so much, guys. I want to give a very special shout out to Susan Cook. I'm sitting in her basement. Check it out, guys. Surrounded by Boston Bruins memorabilia. My hometown, Vancouver's not liking this right now. I'll tell you that much. Uh, However, take a look around. There's a bit of a glare uh, pictures of her uncle, Harry Sinden. That's right. He coached the 72 Summit Series. He also coached Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito. All those guys. Wayne Cashman, Terry O'Reilly. Man, what a story. He's still kicking. He's 88 years old. Uh, maybe we'll get him on for a short interview. I've kind of been pressing Susan, uh, but we'll see. If you guys actually saw all the Boston Bruins stuff around me, you might actually throw up. I'm sorry, Susan, but remember... I am from Vancouver, but without Susan's help, I don't know where I'd be, guys. If you're following along with my story, fuck, it's been a nightmare, man. It's been uh, it's been tough, but not tough enough to go back to drugs. I'll tell you that much, Uh, although I did just smoke a joint before I came on here because I've actually I'm actually feeling a little bit nervous. I've kind of got through those nerves doing a podcast and all that shit, but uh, I'm I'm actually excited for this one. Uh, It's been a couple of weeks since I've done an episode on my own guys. And uh, 
Ah, uh, man, I feel like I need it. I feel like I need it. It's therapy for me and um, apparently for some other people too, because uh, I've been getting a lot of messages. Hey, when the hell are you doing another podcast? So here we go, episode 13. Um, and like I said, I'm very excited. I hope everyone had a great Christmas. Today, of course, is New Year's Eve. 2020 was a hard year for a lot of people, a lot of people, uh, myself included. However, uh, a lot of good things happened for me in 2020. Uh, a lot of people feeling cooped up. Guess what? I did three years in jail. I could be cooped up. You know what I mean? So uh, this doesn't bother me, but I know a lot of people are struggling financially, emotionally. Um, and I just want to say my heart is with all of you guys. I wish I could come and help all of you guys. I can't even help myself right now, but I feel that if we all come together, we keep supporting each other. Uh, great things will continue to happen. And I just know that little things keep happening uh, where I just know I'm doing the exact the exact thing I'm supposed to be doing uh, in these moments. And uh, it's just such a privilege, like I say all the time. Uh, but I'm not going to talk you guys' ear off for like a 10 minute intro. That's, uh, that's kind of an old, that's an old thing. We're going to get right into the episode. And uh, there is a little bit of an intro. Uh, and uh, then we will see you guys, I think in about eight minutes. Uh, eight minutes is the uh, the length on this one. So enjoy. I don't have a video because as you guys know, this program gave me nightmares. The very first episode when I changed the name, Darren McCarty's on. Holy shit, it was a nightmare. If he wasn't my friend, I swear to God, he would have came to the computer and rang my neck. Uh, he was just killing himself, laughing and everything. We got it done, but I was like, never again. No more videos. Not right now. I'm too much of a rookie. I don't need the fines. I don't need any of that shit. I don't need guys mad at me. Uh, I don't need guys' wives mad at me. So let's just do the audio. Enjoy this, guys, and we'll see you in a few minutes. Back in 2011, I checked myself into rehab for the very first time. I wish I could tell you it was the only time, but it was the first of six or seven. But it was there that my dad gave me the book, Tough Guy, the Bob Probert story, and I just couldn't put it down. Tough Guy was one of the very first books that I actually read start to finish. Prior to picking up that book, the only other book that I had really taken to was called The Heroin Diaries by Nikki Six. And this is predating my Oxycontin days, my heroin days, all of it. So by the time I picked up Tough Guy, I was into heroin. I had not used needles yet, but my life was in shambles. I was in rehab. I feel extremely privileged to grow up in the 1990s. I feel like I got to watch the best hockey that was ever played. It was the era of superstars, the era of the enforcers, and it was the era of Bob Prober. I faintly remember growing up and hearing some stories on the news about Proby's troubles, but I never really understood them until I was much older. It really wasn't until I picked up that book that I had any idea what he had gone through at all. Reading that story it was the first time that I really felt a connection to another hockey player. Even though we had lost Bob Prober by the time I had read the book, I still felt the connection. I didn't feel quite as alone as a hockey player sitting in rehab. I was never half the hockey player or even a quarter as tough as Bob Probert. But it was in those moments that I was able to recognize that, hey, I'm not alone here. Addiction does happen and it runs rampant. I think it's pretty safe to say that if anybody else went through what Bob Probert went through, he would have been cast out of the NHL long before. 
the Detroit Red Wings have gone on record to say they put more time, more effort into one player than they ever had anybody else. Why do you think that is? Bob Probert was no superstar by any means, even though he played in an all-star game, recorded over 60 points in one season while just falling short of 400 penalty minutes with 398. He was arguably the toughest guy to ever play in the NHL, the best fighter, the big boy on the block. But even still, I believe that all those things, they're not enough to keep getting chance after chance after chance. Through some research of my own, through reading the book, through watching the documentary, but most of all, talking to people that actually knew Bob Probert, it's very clear to me why the Detroit Red Wings invested so much in him. It was because he was such a good person. He was such a great guy that was just struggling with some of his own demons. I think it's very unfair the way that it was treated in the press, with some of the media, and I'm sure it was hard on the family. Even through all of his hardships, Bob Probert is still remembered as arguably the toughest guy to ever play in the NHL and just an unbelievable person. I only actually got to see Bob Probert once in person. It was when he was playing with the Chicago Blackhawks. And when they were in town, my old personal coach, Danny Cassidy, actually pulled me out of school to surprise me to take me down to one of their practices at what is now called Rogers Arena in Vancouver. Danny's old friend, Ryan Vandenbush, was in town. And I remember he actually gave me a stick after the practice. It was pretty incredible. I can still remember sitting there with my dad, watching all the superstars, Tony Amante, Alexei Zhamnov, Doug Gilmore, Chris Chelios, but it was Bob Probert that I just could not take my eyes off of. I always hear people say that he was just larger than life, on the ice, off the ice, he just had that charisma. And from the short time that I actually got to watch him in practice, it was evident to me, even when I was just 10 years old. Bob Probert was originally drafted 46th overall in the 1983 NHL entry draft by the Detroit Red Wings. He played in the NHL from 1985 to 2002. At the end of his career, he had played 935 regular season games, amassing 163 goals, 221 assists for 384 points, amassing a whopping 3,300 penalty minutes, which puts him fifth all-time in penalty minutes. He also holds the all-time franchise record for the Red Wings in penalty minutes with 2,090. And he also has the single season record in penalty minutes with 398 in 1987-88, which was the same year he made the All-Star team. Through some of my research, I've uncovered that his involvement in the community was incredible. He actively supported young hockey players and often bought tickets for kids who could not afford to go to Red Wings games. His struggles were undoubtedly real, but so was his heart. He loved to protect his teammates, but most of all, he loved his family. Throughout my addiction, I had many people look at me and say, don't you love your kids? Can't you just stop for your kids? Why can't you just get a job? Why can't you just stop doing drugs? Well, it's not that easy, but I used to be one of those people too. I think one of the things I admire most about Bob Probert is the fact that he always owned up to his mistakes. He owned his shit. He didn't back away from a fight. And if he made a mistake, from what I can see, he always owned it. Bob Probert will no doubt always leave his legacy behind. It's just without question. But since his passing in 2010, his wife, Danny, has been on a mission to not only make sure that people remember Bob Probert, 
but that people can learn something from his story. In 2011, Danny, alongside with their four children, started the Bob Probert Ride, a 100-kilometer motorcycle ride that raises money for cardiac services in the Windsor-Essex area. It's incredible. Today, they've helped raise over $1 million. That's right, over a million dollars. There's so much to be learned from Bob's story, from his life, from the mistakes he made, and also from all the great things he did. To be honest, I'm having a really hard time with this intro because it makes me emotional. Though our stories are quite a bit different, they're really not different in any sense other than he was just a better hockey player and a bigger, tougher guy than me that played at a higher level. But the issues down deep, they seem to be a lot more closely aligned than I originally thought. And it's not just me. And that's why I started Puck Support. There's been vast amount of guys that have lost their life and guys that are still struggling today, every day. And it's people like Danny and her kids that are out there fighting for change. Upon his request, Danny donated his brain to science. And it was then that they found out that he had CTE. The game of hockey provides us with a lot of wonderful things. But the dark side of hockey is there and it's been there for a long time. In the past, people have been extremely reluctant to talk about things like addiction. Addiction and hockey just don't go hand in hand. But in fact, maybe they do. I sit back and I admire the things that Danny and the children have done in Bob's memory. About a month ago, I reached out to Danny Prober. I didn't hear back, but I left her my number. A couple weeks had passed and then my phone rang and I almost didn't answer it. Hello? Hey Brady, it's Danny Probert. Uh, uh, uh. I was legit in shock, but since then we've talked a few times. She's agreed to come on the podcast and I can't wait to talk to her. I can't even begin to scratch the surface with a 10 minute intro going through Bob's legacy and all the work Danny and the Probert children have done. But it's simply incredible, it's inspiring, and there's a story there that certainly needed to be told and I'm so thankful that Danny followed through and finished the book that Bob and Kirstie McClellan Day had started just before his passing. His story along with their work has undoubtedly changed lives and will change the course of the hockey community's future. I know it, it already has. Let's not waste any more time. Let's bring her in. I'm so privileged, honored, humbled, and just extremely excited to introduce to you guys, Mrs. Danny Prober. Hey, Brady. How are you? I'm great. That got me all choked up. Wow. I'm, I'm sorry. I text you. I'm like, are you okay? I, I'm, I'm sorry if it was a little much. Okay. Thank you. Um, thanks for doing this, Danny. Like, honestly, this is, uh, I'm like beside myself right now. Um, you're such a, you're just such a bright light. Like, look at your smile. And, uh, I see Bob in the background before we went on. You're like, I got big watching us in the background. Like, uh, you know what? That's so cool. And, uh, you know, there's just simply no words, but, um, you know, I, I just want to say thank you um, for everything you've done. And, and I know it must have been hard. And and uh, I think, you know, maybe you don't understand, but I know I'm not the only one because I've talked to every single guy that's watched the documentary, that's, that's read the book. Um, and it's we're all feeling the exact same. And uh, a lot of us have been in, in similar situations as to what he went through. And, and we can get into that. But um, thank you for finding the strength, Danny, to, to go through with that, because I know that's what he wanted for sure. Um, but it must have been hard. 
Um, absolutely. First of all, I just want to say thank you for reaching out. Thank you for taking my phone call when you said you weren't <laughs> going to. So that was good. Um, and yeah, thank you for your friendship and, and this connection is awesome and having me on the show today. Um, and as for doing the book, I was just honoring Bob. So that was easy for me to do, like just following through with what he had started and wanting to, to, to finish it off with Kirsty, who was amazing. And we had such a great relationship with her. So that really was helpful. And I think it was somewhat cathartic in the timing of it all and me having to do the publicity for the book and be on a tour with Kirsty really, um, it kind of uh, picked me up every day. I had to brush my teeth and get out of bed and uh, show my kids how to put one foot in front of the other. And it was tough as hell, but uh, here we are 10 years later. So, yeah. And uh, man, it's, you've done a lot in 10 years, you've been busy. And uh, you know, I just want to say too, before we get any further, I remember uh, I made a post and, and you text me and you're like, thanks for, thanks for posting that. Like, thank, and it was a, it was just a short video of, of Bob and, and, you know, I just never forget. And you said, thanks. Like, and you were you kind of expressed concern to me, Danny, that you're worried about people forgetting about Bob Prober. And I'm here to tell you that people <laughs> in the hockey community are not forgetting about Bob Probert, not ever. So, but I can, I, I can understand the concerns, but I just, you know what I mean? I, there's so many people and uh, I want to know a little bit more about Bob before we get into uh, before we get into what you what you're doing and what you've done in, in your life. But I want to know just a little bit more about Bob and your guys's early relationship and how you guys met um, and, and sort of those times. If you don't mind, Danny, uh, just take us back a little bit and, and tell us how you met. How old were you? Um, and <laughs> OK, um, if you don't well, mind. I sent, no, I sent you the picture. Yes, that's the one that because I for some reason that picture um, it reminds me of you a little bit, Brady. Because I'll never forget that was the first time I went and saw Bob skate, and that was here in Windsor at the barn. He wasn't allowed across the border. He was staying at the hotel, the Relax Plaza that I was working at at the time, and uh, we started dating. And he asked me to stop in at the rink and see him. And he skated up to me. He was huge, like six, seven on skates, right? without his front teeth in and it scared the hell out of me. I'm like, oh shit, what do I do? Um, and he just gave me a big hug and we're taking those pictures and stuff. So yeah, the whole toothless grin of yours kind of reminds me of that a little bit. So look, look how small you are just sitting on there. <laughs> I know, I was looking at that. Look, look at the size of his head, holy crap. <laughs> And what? my Reeboks with the straps too. So that'll tell you when that was. Right. That was and he's making raps about it all these years later. So this is 20. He's 23. How old are you here then? I am 20. That 20. Was 88. Oh. Yeah. So I'm, I'm one, I'm one years old. I'm a year old at this time. Um, not to make myself much younger than you, but I mean, this awesome. is, no, you, by the way, you, you look younger than I do. I'll just say uh, people think I'm like 50 sometimes when I you just keep going. I'm loving this podcast. Let's go. <laughs> no, but you know, it's, you know what I mean? You guys, you guys met when you were super young and mm -hmm. you, know, you got to go through a, a lot with him and, and get to be in that hockey lifestyle. How was that? How was that transition for you coming from, you know, you grew up in, in Windsor, whatever, were you in involved in the hockey world at all? Did you know anything about it? And what was your first impression when you got to like the pro the pro life around the pro wives around the thing. What, like, honestly, if you don't mind telling me, what was your first impression? Um, I'm going to go with honestly being 21 when I finally went into the, yeah. you know, the family room, they, back then it was the wives room or yeah. go to a game and stuff and be involved on any level uh, of that pro life. Uh, ignorance is bliss. 
going in at 20, 21 years old, not knowing a thing and just being head over heels in love with him that it just didn't, everything else was fuzzy. Yeah. I think it was more so when we moved in together and I was cooking his pregame meals and making sure the house was quiet for the pregame naps. Did that become real? And that was my life. And um, that's when I, I think I, uh, yeah, things just changed. <laughs> that's when I, my eyes were open. That's did, for sure. Did you enjoy, be, did you enjoy it though? Cause some wives really enjoy it. And I've talked to others that, you know, it was, it was hard. Like, did you, was it hard him being away? And I know there's different things. We don't need to get into all the issues, but as a wife, like I feel that from, you know, as a, when I was playing, I had a girlfriend, uh, we had a kid when I was really young, my first year pro and, and, you know, as a, when you're the player, everything's focused surrounded on the player. So now that I'm older, I'm out of the game. I'm, I'm communicating with some, uh, some wives like yourself and, and some um, have reached out to me, actually them, them struggling themselves. And uh, I've been told that they felt that they kind of lost their own identity um, being in, in that, uh, in that environment. And was that a struggle for you at all? I'm just curious. And then we'll move on. Um, wow. That's true. You do lose yourself in that. I don't think, and like I said, being in my early twenties, I wouldn't have known that I was ready to just, you know, okay, um, Danny, I'm here and I'm taking yeah. care of Bob and that's it. Um, I see hockey has definitely changed now. It's so yeah. awesome to see all these girls, um, staying in school or getting a, you know, their own thing going, whatever that is. I think that's so key. I think that's really important. I think now for, um, the women in these players' lives. Um, but for me, I was in a group of, we all did the same thing. We had each other for support. Yeah. Um, we were all, this, I mean, you'd have a hand, like one or two that still worked um, yeah. or, or had something going on, but we really supported each other and having that support was awesome. Nope. You needed it, especially when I started having babies. It was one thing in Detroit because we were just married, we were young and, and doing our thing. And, um, you know, living that life before kids yeah. and then moving away to Chicago and then the babies and, and young kids and being home for nap time and all this craziness. Well, you had each other. I mean, there were many New Year's Eves where uh, Lori Monty and Amy Gilmore and a bunch of us would all hang out at the McDonald's in the ball pit with the kids or Chuck E. Cheese because the kids, the guys are on the road. And that was our New Year's Eve was to be together. Right. So that was awesome. That was our hockey family. And, uh, I was lucky to be a part of that era when we were really that tight knit and we had each other for that because like I said, you really do give up a lot of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's interesting playing in, in, a, in that market. I mean, he was, he was like the fan favorite too. Right. So like everywhere you guys went, uh, people were probably recognizing you recognizing him. Um, it must've been a lot of fun. Like you said, being 2021, 20, getting, uh, getting to be in that environment. It's very special, right? Like you must have some amazing memories and you got to meet some amazing people that I'm sure you're still connected with. And that's the beautiful thing about hockey is it, it really just keeps us connected. Whether you're a player, a wife, a coach, um, you can, like for me, I was out of the game for 10 years, Danny. And then all of a sudden I find my way back and, and, and people have embraced me and I'm so lucky. And it's people like you that have lifted me up. And I'll say too, like the other day I was ready to just say, fuck it all. Like, I'm serious. I was, it was like the one time in a year where I was not like, say, fuck it all. I'm going to go use drugs. Cause that's not one thing. I just mean like, I was just done. And, uh, you actually text me. You're like, yeah, I'll come on the podcast. I was like, I can't quit now. 
I can't quit now. Like literally I was about to like, I was minutes away. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I'm just like, I was sitting with Blair Buckman and I was like telling him, then all of a sudden I look, I showed him my phone. I'm like, look at that. And I text and he's like, he's like, yeah, see. And I'm like, yeah, okay, can't quit. And I'm sure glad that I didn't, but it's tough. And that's what I want to talk about is, is the difference ups and downs that maybe you had to deal with as a wife. And did you start to notice things um, as, you know, his career went on as far as concussions go, Danny? Like, you know, he fought a lot. I don't really know if he got hit a lot. Did he tell you what he was hurt? Did he ever say like, hey, I'm feeling different, feeling funny? Or did he just keep doing his thing? Kept doing his thing. He was part of that old boys club, you know, rub some dirt in it, uh, you know, get up. If you're sick with a cold, go out, get on the ice and sweat it out. And um, he really was the ultimate tough guy with that stuff. He never had the man cold, never had a man cold. He was so cool with that stuff. I didn't have to baby him, but he was just, um, Oh, I love that picture. Yeah, me too. I, I, I actually, I actually, I have like a press and stuff. I want to, I don't want to like replicate it, but I'm like, those shirts need to like, you do you have, oh, make- they're back. You're back. I didn't make them, but, um, oh, you can't think of his name. Mel. I think his name's Mel. Perfect. Tierney, I need the name for the t-shirt for the real. I would like to help promote the, get these out there. Whoever's doing it, whatever, because. On our, the fan club page, I've seen it on there. Um, but yeah, they're back and we have a bunch upstairs too. I actually have that shirt still. No way. That's so cool. I know. It's so awesome. That's awesome. But yeah, no, I mean, that's a thing right back then. uh, These guys, there was, there was no recognition um, for concussions. And it's almost like if you even said that your head was hurt, the guys looked at you differently. Right. So you could never even show that sign of weakness. Um, How did it change for him before? You know, I want to talk more about what you're doing now, Danny, and how we're, we're moving forward with things, but how, like, how much did it, did it affect him the pressures of knowing that he had to go in and be this fighter? Because I fought a lot, but I wasn't like the heavyweight or anyways, but I knew that sometimes if I'm playing this team, I'm probably going to have to fight this guy. And whether I think I'm tougher than him or not, there's always that chance of getting knocked out in front of thousands of people and getting hurt and all of that. And I had, I had extreme anxiety and that was just on a low, like, a minor, minor scale compared to what guys like Bob Prober say, Ty Domi, like those battles at Madison Square Garden that everybody always wants to talk about. I'm sure you've heard enough about it, but I really like to know like the psychology behind that and how, how did he handle that? Honestly, we weren't that hockey household. Like it wasn't hockey 24 seven. Um, he was big into talking about the games um, on game day. Uh, driving home from the game or after the game, he'll call me and that would be it. Uh, He didn't really stress about and study tapes or any of that stuff. He just didn't. That was Bob. He just looked, okay, this is the next game. This is the next game. Not necessarily, you know, what fighters, tough guys are coming in. No, Um, I didn't see any of that. Afterwards, seeing uh, Ice Guardians and seeing that, yeah, there were some sleepless nights. I had no clue, no clue at all. Um, I know that he was nervous. I know being up on that, you know, that pedestal a little bit for a while there that he, you know, yeah, I guess he did have some, some concerns, you know, there's going to come a time that he's going to be knocked off that and someone's going to take over. That's just the nature of the beast. Right. Yeah. But, um, no, he never really, 
he wanted to be the superstar scoring goals and, you know, getting a hat trick or something cool. He just, if it was a fight, if there was a fight, if something happened, he never planned for that stuff. Honestly, I can tell you that there was the one fight that he got ready for, he prepared for, he probably lost some sleep over, uh, was the rematch with Domi. Yeah. That was the one that you felt it. You could feel it in the household. Other than that, no, that was the one and only time. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's because the media pumped it up. It was crazy, right? It was totally, oh, yeah. totally, um, I don't know if it was, I, in my opinion, it was wrong what they did, uh, put it, they basically made those two guys fight. And if they didn't, even though they were going to be fined, it was, they were going to be looked at differently after that from everybody. It was weird, right? Like it was just totally it was so weird. It was a circus. It was an absolute circus. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, and it, all that anybody was talking about, everyone having the date marked on the calendar, getting ready for this thing. It's like, how do you concentrate on playing a freaking game? Well, you know, I, you have this going on. Danny, that's the other thing is like you mentioned that he wanted to be scoring goals and scoring hat tricks. And Bob was actually a skill guy. Like he was a scorer. Like if they would have just focused more on letting him play the game and and everything i like honestly like you look at him he had those 60 point seasons and and he spent like i don't know 10 games in the box with penalty minutes so you know what i mean it's it's it's, it's kind of interesting what's your take on fighting today in the game of hockey okay are we gonna be honest then we're doing yeah. this yeah i don't really follow hockey anymore me, i really don't me either but if you were to stay going back looking back in the, would you do you think fighting the way that it was or whatever, is it a part of hockey? Does it have its place? I think it does. I do too. I do. I really do. I think that what, I mean, we're talking like if I'm talking about Bob's era when he played in those guys and the mutual respect they really did have for each other. There's that whole code, right? Yeah. Um, it was different then. It's it's um, in that style and protecting uh, your Stevies yeah. and, you know, your Marios and who. And Wayne, you get, those guys, I thought that they, they, everyone, they had their cop on the ice. Bob was the cop for the Red Wings for a while and for, you know, and for Chicago, everyone had their place. So I think at that time, yes, I think, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. That's a tough question, but yeah. It's a loaded question too, right? Because it it's a super, I shouldn't even have asked it maybe, but because it's kind of a catch 22, but the way that I look at it is hockey is not like any other sport, right? You're it's happening at such a high speed uh, and you're skating around on knives and, and emotions run extremely, extremely high. And for whatever reason in hockey, it just seems like they're a little bit more intense. And I feel that it does have a place. And uh, I, from my research, from talking through guys like Adam Scorgi, who did uh, Ice Guardians and, and these movies and have done extensive, extensive research on concussions and things, it actually was more um, coming from, you know, hits that they're not paying attention from or, uh, you know, little minor elbows where guys get whiplash. And so it's kind of a tough question. But I did want to ask you that question, just being the wife of, you know, the former you know, he's the guy, like he's the guy, like, I don't care what anyone says and people will agree with me. He's just, growing up. I was like scared of watching him on TV. I was like, you know what I mean? Cause he wasn't on my team. Right. As a kid, <laughs> you're like, you know what I mean? Oh man. It was just so cool. But I want to, uh, I want to kind of shift gears here just a little bit, Danny. And I want to talk a little bit about the, the Probert ride and how that started. And you know, like, awesome where that where this all started how did the where did it originate from obviously we know that there's a history there <laughs> right? oh my gosh <laughs> right we know that there's a history with motorcycles and and bob loved yeah. his bikes and uh 
<laughs> excuse me, but at what point in time did, did you and the kids or, or whoever sit down and be like, Hey, this is what we're going to do or who helped you? Um, honestly, in the beginning when Bob passed, I was inundated with requests and people wanting to do fundraisers and, you know, like a golf tournament or this thing and that thing, whatever, attach Bob's name to a lot of stuff. And I was just saying yes to everything. I considered it such an honor that they wanted to, you know, do something like this for the family or for, and just using Bob's name. I just want to say his name all the time. Um, and that was the, oh, look at that. That's all oh, fingers crossed. It happens on June 27th. Yeah. There, yeah. Brady. I know, I know. I just, I, I wanted to put it out there. We got our fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, but Noah was one of Bob's good friends, Donnie Kadarian. And it was uh, Dino Kyoto with uh, our local uh, 444 here uh, and Teddy Boomer, uh, three local guys. They approached me. They wanted to do this. Um, and, and Donnie's heart was really into it because him and Bob were really close. And Bob loved motors, whether it was an old muscle car, a boat, um, the motorcycles. So this just made sense to do this. And it was something that was really exciting for the kids and I just to be able to um, honor. Oh, look at the babies. They're young. <laughs> aren't, they? aren't they young there? They are so young. Oh, my goodness. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we have like over 1200 bikes that show up to this yeah. thing. And it started out uh, 2011. And Chelly was the road captain, Chris Chelios. And uh, we went over to Detroit. We came across the Ambassador Bridge and it was so cool. And pulling up and seeing all these bikes, it was amazing. And it just continues to grow. And it's a wonderful way to honor him, to remember him. It's a great reunion because so many of the alumni, my hockey family, and you better come. Oh. I don't care if you don't ride. We have a bus. Hey, listen, I have three you know, buses. Now. I know how to ride a bike and I don't have my license, but if I can get my license, I dirt bike and stuff. I know how to ride a bike. Come on. But Me too. I, I don't have my license either. I, I, I technically, I, I technically am under suspension right now, so I probably shouldn't drive, but if we get there, I will definitely drive. But either way, I'll come down because I, I just want to be a part of it in any small way, be a spectator to it. Hell, I don't care. I got one for you. You get your license, get a year under your belt of riding. I've got the Moo Moo in that picture, and you're going to ride the Moo Moo. No way. You're yep. kidding me. Deal. Yeah. Shelly, Sheldon Kennedy. <laughs> That's my horn because I'm excited. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Are you, are you serious? Hey, Max, taking out the Moo Moo. The Stanley Cup's been attached to that baby. That's the one bike that I've kept. It's still here. It's in the garage right now. And uh, I, you got to have one year of experience riding yeah. that one. Oh, I'll let you take the move. Hundred percent. I'm. I'm on. That's my new goal now. I have. That's awesome. my. You watch. I'm going to be like laser focused. Hey, now, <laughs> awesome. that I'm, now that I'm thinking about this, because I, I didn't want to forget, I read somewhere that once upon a time Bob challenged somebody to sobriety, and I don't know if you know this. I read it. He apparently challenged somebody to sobriety back in, I don't know when it was, like the early 90s, okay? And by 2011, this Detroit guy- Detroit Yeah. And this guy had in 2011, I mean, it could change by now, but by 2011, when I, I just read it just an hour ago, this guy had still been sober because Bob had challenged him. I don't know if you Rich? read it. I don't Rich know. Gibson? I'm trying to find out who it is. I'm hoping you could tell Rich. me. I almost, I'm pretty sure it's Rich. And yeah. he's still sober. If it's rich, yeah, absolutely. He's going strong. Yeah. So that, I thought that was so cool because, you know, like 
you just he's, his inspiration, Danny, it's it's everlasting, right? And I think you're doing you guys are doing such an amazing job. And you know, I commend you for getting out of bed every day and doing those things. And um I don't think that, you know, I think a lot of people in your situation would want all the same things you you would want, but I don't know if people would be able to keep fighting the way that you uh, fight through. Like I, I, I've seen people shut down and just, you know, and you continue to fight and you, and I, and I'm looking at a picture of him behind you and it's like, well, of course you're going to fight. Like, you know, you're not going to quit now. Like, so, you know, I, what's next, what's next for you guys? Like you, do you, you told me a little bit, tell us, tell us a little bit about the cardiac ward and, and the money you've raised and where it's going. Because a lot of people, the story of Bob Probert often gets overshadowed by addiction and different things, but you know, maybe we could talk a little bit about, you know, what actually happened, if you don't mind, and why, why the ride and the money and, and where it's going. Okay, well, we know that Bob died of a massive heart attack yeah. on the boat, July 5th, 2010. And it, it seemed fitting to, I mean, I, I could have put the money towards uh, mental health and addictions. Yeah. I could have done towards brain research, CTE. Um, but for cardiac, um, you know, Bob came from that background. He lost his father to sure. a, a stroke and he um, had heart stuff going on in the family already, right? It's already there. So um, that was a good fit for us. That as a family, we decided this is where we wanted the money going. We're closing in on the $1.2 million mark, which has been amazing. This community, I'm telling you, <laughs> I love it. This community is unbelievable where we live and the support that we have and the people that come out and the players and hockey family that comes out year after year. Um, we have players coming in from Boston, from, you know, Florida, everywhere. They're coming in Colorado. It's awesome. Coast to coast and supporting it. So it's the support that we have that's really helped keep this going. It, it gives us a chance to have this reunion of sorts with the players that come in every year, which is awesome. And it's something for the kids. Um, I mean, we talk about Bob Daly. We have to. That's uh, we love saying his name. We have he's larger than life, so the stories are endless. Um, and it's it's wonderful to. Oh, I love that one. Look at Coco in the back. Oh my God, there's so much. Yeah, but this is my favorite picture. I think. That's oh yeah, my, that's a good one. And just to let you know, I had friends who had those two seats right behind the box. I got to sit there all the time. It was awesome. Yeah. So I saw him a lot. Very <laughs> <laughs> close and personal. Sorry, keep going though. I didn't mean to cut you off with the picture. Yeah, that's a good picture. I love it. Great picture. Um, no, so we love doing the ride. We love raising the money for cardiac. We love just saying his name and being able to talk and do interviews like this and talk more about him. I love it. It'll never stop as as long as I'm, I'm around and I'm able to. And and for his mom and his brother. Um, and I have four kids. I've got to do this. And as long as they're willing to do it and be a part of it and they're okay with it, this ride's going to continue. So we're doing the cardiac center. There's going to be a naming in Tecumseh, and it's going to be an awesome workout facility uh, for people who have undergone any um, cardiac event at all, whatever it is. If it's um, uh, having the angioplasty, having a heart attack, um, and, and getting in shape and taking care of themselves and learning more about themselves, than, you know, the heart and taking care of uh, you know lifestyle changes, et cetera. So I that's think, something that's going to continue. I think that's, that's the best. I think you guys made the right choice 100%. Um, and I never really thought about it before, but like I mentioned in the intro, and like, like I said, I only saw him the one time and whatever, but I could just tell 
when you look at him, the guy had a heart, like, fuck, he had a big heart, eh? So, like, there's more than just, there's something more just there. So I think, you know what, you guys, you guys, you guys definitely got it right. And um, I'm sure you guys are seeing that on, you know, almost a daily basis with, with all the contributions and people talking about it. And, and when that, is there a time when, when you think that place is going to open or is it, is there, is uh, it on hold because of COVID or? It's on hold definitely because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. That's screwing up everything. Um, the world is on hold, right? Basically right now. Um, hopefully we will have the ride this year. Hopefully we can continue to raise money for this. Um, and hopefully we're cutting a ribbon and, you know, doing a, or putting a, uh, a shovel in the ground anyways, for a groundbreaking ceremony, which would be great within the next year or two is what we're hoping for, but it all depends on what's going on in the world. Right. That's, that's amazing. And, you know, yeah, I just, I'm, I see the pictures, right? I, I have quite a few pictures. I was looking and I was watching the progression of your kids getting older and in these pictures and some of the ones you sent me and, and that, and it just looks like you guys, you know, what have really found something to, to, to unite you guys in a, in a really hard time and, and not only unite you guys, but like you said, remember Bob and, and not only that, like you said, all these guys get to come back there as well, like to this ride. Right. And, you know, they stories get told and that's what life to me is all about is, is people coming together and you're going to continue to bring people together in Bob's honor and help people. And I think that is, you know, that is Bob's legacy. Like we remember him as a, as a fighter and, uh, and, and your legacy, your kid's legacy, right. It's, it, it's so important that people realize that, you know, this is pretty awesome what you guys have, have done and continue to do. And you basically got going like right away with it and people rallied around you. And, uh, I've seen the different videos of all, like, like you said, 1200 bikes. It's like crazy. It's almost like a hell's angels ride. <laughs> it's a big rally. That's for sure. I've been to a few of the big rides in Milwaukee and stuff for the anniversary rides with Bob. He was so passionate about that stuff. He dragged me to everything. And, that was exciting. So now those are, are rallies. That's hundreds of thousands of bikes. Oh my gosh, how I would love for it to be that one day. But I'm so thrilled that we've grown from, I think, 600, 700 bikes from the first year up to like 12. I think we've got close to 1400 year five or six. It always depends on the weather. That's a, the problem with having an outdoor event. But yeah. we've been pretty lucky, except for year five and the torrential dangerous downpour that we had. Other than that, we've been really lucky. And uh, yeah, it's a nice, it, you were talking about the hockey community. And having these guys around, you have to see them when they see my kids and see my son looks just like Bob and he's six foot two and, um, and there's a lot of mannerisms and stuff. And each of the kids has some, some part of Bob's personality, which is mind blowing and awesome. And I love it. But seeing these guys, they need it too. Like Bushy, who was yeah. talking about Ryan, you know, Bob and him were roommates and, and a lot of these guys um, and Jimmy Cummins and oh, the list is long and for Chelly to come to town and, and the guys that played with Bob and had that relationship with them. And even if not just met meeting him at an alumni game or going to Afghanistan with them. Um, it's important for them too. I can see it like that connection too of, of being around and talking about Bob that, you know, kind of help each other out. And it's uh it's pretty awesome. I love it. And uh, like I said, as long as the kids are okay with it and Teresa's around, Bob's mom, this ride's going to continue and we'll do two big things. So, yeah, that's, that's incredible. I, I'm still kind of in shock. Like I'm, I'm like, can we end this podcast so I can go get my motorcycle license? 
You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I, I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. Like that, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to watch this back and let it really sink in for for all of that. To, and to a lot sink. of people just heard us. That that came out of my mouth. We we got witnesses. This has to happen now. I know. I think I forgot to press record though. No, just oh, kidding. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Good one. Yeah. So I wanna I wanna you know like there's just so much to talk about here, Danny, and I don't really know what direction to take it. And I, I think a lot of people um, have a lot of questions and oh, Will McIntyre wants to say that 1.2 million is incredible. Uh, Will is a new friend of mine and a supporter and David, sorry, these just came in. Yep. Hockey is an aggressive and passionate game. And there's some other. I will. Yes. I will. That was awesome. Thank you. And David, was that the last one was from yeah, David? David? So these two guys have actually been some of my biggest supporters. They're great. And uh, they're just, they uh, have their own things going. David runs a skate shop out in Edmonton and Will's actually up in, in Brockville there. And uh, was I was hoping to connect a little bit more with him, but uh, as people know, I'm moving back down to Muskoka where I am now. And how far is that from Windsor? How far am I from you if I'm in Bracebridge? You know, um, that's like a five and a half, six hour drive. How okay? How close are you to Leamington? Oh, just right across the county. It's like okay. forty-five minutes. That's where I got my dog. Really? Yeah, but I didn't. My yeah, my my little uh, uh, chocolate lab. I just got her like maybe like nine months ago down in Leamington. So, oh. but I didn't go for the ride, so I wasn't. I can't say I actually uh, went down there, but you know, Leamington, and I'm pretty sure that's where Dmac grew up as well, somewhere around he there. He was born in BC. But yeah. he grew Same up in Leamington. Same hospital as me. We we're born. Stop in- it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Small yep. world. Burnaby General. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it is a small world, but it's, you know, without him too, by the way, I don't think we would be having this conversation. So I want to say thank you to uh, DMAC. I know he kind of, he kind of uh, co-signed, co-signed me on this one. Um, so thank you yeah. to my friend DMAC. He's actually been, you know, there's, I've met a lot of people, right. Uh, over the last year, but DMAC's actually become a friend, right. Somebody that I can call and talk to and, and text, he's text me Merry Christmas. And, for me, like that's you know what I mean. That's pretty cool. Like it, he was another one of the guys that I really looked up to, and and uh, there's just you know I would I know he was really really close with Bob, and and that sort of when he was on my podcast, he's been on a couple times. He he never fails to mention Bob. Never ever ever. He always always is talking about him and how he was the guy that showed him, you know, how to be and and. That was, it was just incredible to hear his stories on the record, but I like the ones off the record too, that we, that we can't talk about just. <laughs> we so can funny. talk about them later. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. I'm sure you already know all of them, right? The I know a lot of them. Yeah. Not all of them, but yeah, I know. The party. No, just the party stories and the idiots being at the hotel playing pranks and all that stuff. It's all. In- okay. Mitzi took that to a whole new level. I'm just going to say that from the stories I heard after Bob left Detroit. Yeah. Darren took everything to a whole new level. That's a yeah. Fact. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's something special. That's for sure. That guy's a that guy is a, a special character for sure. But like like yeah, I'm. How much? That's a serious question. If he didn't co-sign, would you be doing this podcast right now? Um, I honestly, I needed to talk to. I needed to. Yeah, I wouldn't have been doing it without him. No, <laughs> not that I didn't know anything. Like you know what I. I Honestly, Brady, you get you, reach out and they want to, you know, talk to you or do this and do that. And 
I'm like, okay, this dude's reached out to me and I saw that he followed you and I'm like, okay, Mitzi, what's the deal? Like, what about this guy? And oh my God, he had nothing but awesome things to say about you. And that's all I needed. That's all I need. I, I wouldn't have given you my cell phone number, Brady. Yeah, I know. So. <laughs> I know when you called me and I was just like, I, I was so, like I said, I was very close to not answering that. And, you know, who knows if, uh, if I don't pick up that call, like maybe we would have talked down the road or something, but I don't think I would have bothered you again with another message. Right. Like, so who knows, but I'm just so thankful that something told me to pick that phone call up. It took me about 30 seconds to give you an answer, but I finally did start spitting some, some words out to you and, and then you agreed to come on and I'm just so thankful. And, and that was an incredible day for you. That was an emotional day. And uh, as I recall, and then you had some magical thing happen with Bob. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell that story and I'll, I'll try to, yeah, I'll try to find the picture. Actually, while I'm telling the story on my phone, I I actually forgot about that and I didn't forget about it, but I just, lots going on. This was actually crazy. So I was in Morrisburg and making, you know, the puck support stuff like this and you know, obviously I have to order different clothes and I was ripping off tags. I don't care. I'll tell people because eventually we're going to have our own shit going over wherever. But this is it's humble beginnings here at Puck Support. All right. I don't care. It is what it is. So I ripped off the tag. I'm, I'm always honest. I'm too honest. It's it gets me. My honesty actually gets me into more trouble than anything. Um, so anyways, I ripped the tag off and. Uh, it was a Gildan hoodie, or I believe, and I was talking to you on the phone. It was the very first time that I was talking to you on the phone, and I just ripped. I had this tag in my hand, and I just ripped it up, and I just dropped it on the table, and I looked down, and it said Dan, and I was like, with all the oh, she sent me the picture right now. She's got it. No, I sent you a different oh. picture. That's for that's Mitzi holding my firstborn. <laughs> Holy shit! I gotta get this on here. People are gonna love this. He As might not. Oh no, I sent oh. it to him too. No, I just he kidding. Knows. He looked. I honestly didn't even recognize him. I know he looked, his baby. Look at him. He looks. That was his rookie year. No, his second year. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Okay, but yeah, you so have the picture. Do I have the picture? I'm looking for it now. You got me wondering if I still have it. I got it. I think you got it. It's here somewhere, but yeah, I threw the tag down. I'm like, I'm not even kidding. It was, it was crazy. It said Dan and it wasn't like I just placed it down. I dropped it from like whatever it was, eight to 12 inches up. And it just sort of, I watched it and it just sort of fell and it landed perfect, perfectly. And I was just like, it was weird. It was unbelievable. It was a sign. And, and it was the same day that Matthew Lazinski had passed away three years ago to that day, uh, which was, you know, and that was the day that you decided to call me. Uh, and I do have the picture. I found it here. So I will send it to my computer and, and show everybody. But yeah, it was, it was, it was a magical day and I, people listening or whatever, they might not, uh, they might not fully understand or, or grasp how, you know, the little things uh, keep happening in my life, Danny. And like, they've been happening and they're not, I was like, Oh, that's a little thing. That's a little, but now these little things are turning into big things. And there's times I think for people, if anybody listening, if you're going through a hard time, whether it's through addiction, mental health, a breakup, uh, whatever it is, um, 
there's some really dark times, especially right now with COVID, everything. But I swear to I swear to everybody, if you try to just change your perspective and stay positive and start surrounding yourself with the right people and feeding yourself the right food, but also the right brain food, which is so important, we can make these changes and we can get through anything, right? Absolutely. Well said. Like I it, 100%. And, you know, I say that and, and, you know, you heard me earlier say that, you know, I would, I was close to quitting and stuff. And so like, I say that because I need people to understand that I don't have everything figured out, not even close, right? Like I, I'm really transparent. I think some people will appreciate, but then some people are like, oh man, maybe this guy's a little bit more off his rocker than I thought. And, and I'll be honest, some people have kind of uh, backed off a little bit since me going through um, whatever I'm going through, just, just because I'm open and, and honest about it. And that to me is where uh, the hockey, maybe not just the hockey community, but uh, some people, how do I say this, Danny? So I'll just tell the story quick. Let me tell you, let me tell you what, let me ask you what you think of this. Okay. So, okay. Okay. So when I first started my podcast, I reached out to a, no, I didn't even reach out to a guy. He reached out to me. He was the first person playing in the NHL to reach out to me. He was a guy I played with in junior. Okay. And he said, Hey, I'll come on your podcast. I'll pump it on my social media. I'll do anything. I'm like, man, that's awesome. Like I haven't talked to this guy for a long time, all this stuff. And he wanted to help me. And, uh, I'm like, that's, that's awesome. So he's like, here, he gave me his number and he's like, give me a call and we'll set it up. So I called him, we talked. And, uh, then he's like, Oh, uh, he's like, yeah, we'll do it tomorrow. So he called me or he texted me. He's like, Hey, it was right when COVID happened and the hockey season had just ended or whatever. He was moving from wherever he played. I'm not going to say who it was back to wherever he lives. And he's like, the movers are here. And I'm like, Okay. I'm like, no problem. He's like, can we do it tomorrow? So I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. Like, I, I don't care. Like it's, you know, it's, I'm just so grateful that you're going to do this. This is awesome. Like he reached out to me. Like I was like, this is great. Like this is really going to help. And so I try to call him the next day and it goes straight to voicemail. And I'm like, Hmm, call him again, like straight to voicemail. So I'm like, this guy blocked my number. I'm like, why would he block? Why? I'm like, why would he block my number? So sure enough, I privatize my number. I call the phone. It rings. He picks up. I hang up. I'm like, hmm, okay, interesting. Uh, so I just let it go. And I chalked it up to, okay, well, he's kind of on the downhill in his NHL career. And probably my podcast was called hockey to heroin probably doesn't look good going on a podcast called with the heroin word in. And I understand that I chopped it up. I chalked it up to that fast forward two months later. And I've had Doug Gilmore on, I've had all Sheldon Kennedy, Darren McCarty, all these guys. Now this guy reaches out to me and he's like, Hey, I think I'll come back on your podcast. And I'm like, Oh, do you? I'm like, that's interesting. I'm like, so what happened before? And he's like, well, when I talked to you on the phone, you sounded like you were all banged up, like I was still using or something. And if that's the case, I want nothing to do with you. Okay. So you thought that I was going through a hard time and I was using. So you thought the good thing to do would be block my number and just never talk to me again. What do you think of that? I don't know <laughs> if I can say that on here. 
screw that. I'd be yeah. pissed. So that right after that is when I launched puck support. I was, that was really early. I was like six episodes into, I was like, you know what? This is the problem right here. I said, sure. I understand people don't want to attach to, but you can't turn your back on, on your former teammates on whatever. Maybe he couldn't even, and I swear to you, Danny, like I wasn't high. I wasn't anything. I get drug tested twice a week and I love going in there. I love peeing in that cup. I'm like, yeah, give it to me. I'm clean. Like, you know what I mean? Like, honestly I do. And I get, I can get the print offs. And as soon as I'm like, I'm actually going to, I told people I was going to get all the print offs and just start posting them mostly for my baby moms back in Vancouver, because she's not too nice to me and still thinks of whatever of me, but it's uh, yeah, I just, I was a little bit hurt by that and i'm curious as to you know like did you ever see any of that where guys would be oh, like yeah. so guys and, did and Bob would hold a grudge like he that that stuff he would hang on to like a couple of the guys that threw him under the bus yeah and uh you know would say too much to the press or whomever and yeah. bob never forgot that let me tell you no doubt but i think of all the guys that and uh, GMs and owners that gave Bob chance after chance and the love and the respect and the support. Those are the ones you got to think of. He was one of the good guys yeah. still is to this day. Seriously. Uh, yeah. I know that. That's why I pulled that out. And uh, yeah, awesome guy, like for real, like I'm talking, you know, everyone's got their, their thing about Stevie and it's all true because he's an amazing guy. He really is. And he was wonderful early on. Bob and I weren't even married after the motorcycle accident. I was like seven months pregnant with our firstborn and Stevie boom, right away. One of the first calls to come through, see how I'm doing. What can he do? Like how, and he would go and visit Bob. Actually, I just got, somebody just sent me a picture of Bob um, in, in rehab up in Holly. And Stevie's one of the boys. Gerard Gallant's one of the boys. Okay, there's a third guy. I'm going to have to send you the picture. I got to send it to somebody to tell me who the other guy is. Um, but then there was a, a bunch on that team that, you know, they were looking out for themselves. And and trust me, I mean, I don't know, this might be shitty to say, but I mean, Bob was not alone in doing the stuff that he was doing. Bob was stupid and got caught. Bob mm -hmm. was, and he never took anybody down with him, ever. He never threw out a name. He never, you know, no way. He, he took the the lumps. And, and he knew what he'd screw up. Absolutely. But he was a guy's guy to the end. So, um, yeah, he had some, some assholes that would, you know, turn their back on him. No problem. Not think twice. And the, I think in all honesty, the majority that he did have this, there was some really good support and they were right to the end, uh, staying in touch with him, talking to him, supporting him. And honestly, Brady, that was the, what I think, uh, you were really on my heart after you had reached out to me and everything. And I know all the chances that Bob got. So no, me, I didn't read your story. I saw some clips and stuff and I thought, well, I want to get to know you for you. I don't want to read that. I, you know, if people drag, you know, and you hear it too with Bob, it's like they, they reminisce and they bring up these stories from 88, 89, when he got busted at the board. I'm like, he's 23 years old. I'm not saying it was an excuse or whatever. It was stupid. He knew it was stupid. He paid the price and and to this day my kids we still have to hear about it and we'll post a picture on the fan club or on the probert ride page or somewhere and so there's always that asshole that's got to come out and say something negative and nasty it's like yeah we know it that's old news we know yeah. i got that's into it i actually got into it with somebody on the bob probert fan page this morning did you see that and my daughter told me <laughs> i didn't see it i'm not always on there but i have so to stay away uh, stuff I get really upset. Can I ask you, are you an anti-masker or is he talking about me? 
Um, I think he's talking about you. What the f*** is he talking about? And that's what he said. He said he won't listen to the podcast because he's not supporting anti-maskers. I sell masks on the website. Oh, my God. I have a Probert Ride mask for you. I'm going to send it in my care package. So, no. I was going to suggest to you we should start this off with masks on. Right? Like, I was just like, so this guy's like, I'm like, okay, no sweat off my back. And I kind of, you know, I kind of got into it a little bit with him. I said some stuff I shouldn't have. But then I just, I, you know, I realized I'm like, hey, don't even let this guy waste time in your head. So I blocked him on Facebook. Doesn't this guy search out my cell phone number on, oh yeah, starts texting me all this shit and all the whatever. So I just said, he told me, he's like, uh, what did he say? He said, I deleted it because I didn't want to read it. He told me that, uh, Oh, because he's a skating instructor. This guy was a skating instructor and I watched him, watched him skating. I shouldn't say this, but I was like, man, you're, you're robbing people. Like you shouldn't, you could barely skate and, and whatever. So, cause he hit a nerve, obviously. Well, he, he said some other things about me. I'm not going to get into. And then he texts me. He's like, well, why don't you come teach me how to skate? So I could be a burnout junior like you, you loser or something like that. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, that's enough block. I'm like, I'm really sorry for, for even engaging. I'm still learning. Don't ever do that. That would be a lesson from big Bob right there. Do not not take the bait ever. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're out there. There's some real jerks out there and uh, they'll, they'll definitely throw out the bait and it's tough for me. There's a few times I've wanted to say something and my kids know it too. They know the rule. We got to keep it shut Eh. and they'll go away them and their negativity they'll go away i don't want to hear that shit right. i don't want to see it on my pages no and i mean it's you're like you said we're always going to get those people but I've, i man if we just focus on the positives and, and the bright lights in this world i mean like you said those people do go away you want to know why because if you don't engage with those people they'll find somebody else to yeah, buy because that's what they're looking for right yeah absolutely so no, I'm about, I'm with you. I'm about, I don't, I want the positive vibes. I want to lift people up. I don't want to be brought down by this shit and dragging up old corpses from the past. I don't need to, I lived it. I was there. Let's talk about the future. Let's talk about now. That's, that's right. I, and that's why I, you know, I'd wanted to talk. I did want to talk a little bit about, you know, Bob's career. I didn't know where to take it, to be honest, Danny. And I, you know, I wanted to mostly focus on, on now and, and what we're, what you're doing today and, and all the amazing work you're doing. Um, but there's such a powerful story there. Like if you look at its entirety, um, you know, if, if I'm a hockey parent, uh, if I'm a hockey player like today, um, you know, I'm really watching that. I'm watching that. I'm watching, uh, you know, like Ice Guardians and I'm, I'm listening because these issues are real. And I'm very glad that you said that Bob wasn't alone in doing all those things because that to me is where the problem is huge when one guy is getting crucified when there was probably 10 or 12 or even more guys give or take at any given time doing roughly the same things maybe not at the same times but the same things and I just want to say that it was extremely unfair how it was handled and it's still extremely unfair but like you said I'm all that negative shit it'll you know because of the internet there'll always be those stupid negative articles and people always but the work you're doing and the the things that Bob did, people will, that shit will not, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like we're, that's what I'm saying. Like in the intro, Danny, it was, I was, I was 
by the way, I don't write any of that. That's just me. When I do those, that's just me speaking by, clip by clip. I don't have nothing written wow. down. I just do it from the heart. Yeah, I just, not that it's impressive. It just comes from my heart. So whatever I'm thinking and I'll record and then I'll stop and then I'll, okay, record. And then, so that's how I do it. But I was sitting there as I was doing it, I'm like, how did this guy get so many chances? How? And there's a reason for that. And it's because he was such a great human being that lifted people up, that cared about people. and. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was such a great teammate and just and a great teammate to you, too. Right. So that is that's that is always what he's going to be remembered for. Don't ever let these idiots get to you and the kids. Don't ever let it get to you guys, because they'll be a comment and I'll want to straighten it out. And I realize, no, I can't. And I just want to stay behind the scenes sometimes. But uh, no, we don't engage in that crap. And you're absolutely right. I mean, Bob was an unbelievable lovable big teddy bear he really was and you know for me to I mean you know put up with his crap for so many years and then have this wonderful stretch of sobriety which was awesome and then for him to fall off the wagon again and have to you know go through it again but I mean and when I say that to you Brady about living in the past well it's one thing you know being stuck there I love reminiscing I love walking down memory lane definitely there's so many fun, fabulous memories. And actually I kind of went dark last week when I was supposed to call you or two weeks ago, I had to go through all the photo albums and I had to find a picture, a new one to post on for the Christmas to put on the the ride page and uh, throw out there. And it's, I have, I have a picture of you guys at Christmas from when the kids are little and Bob's in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of them. I, I I did one just with, from the Blackhawk team party that was Bob with the black eye that was the most recent one okay. but yeah when I have to go look for those then I start walking down memory lane I get so sad I can't help it and you know I know I'm gonna I allow myself that because it's that's real and it's it's it is what it is and I have to you know I have to feel that because if I put it off then it'll hit me like a ton of bricks eventually whether it's the next day a couple week later it'll just you know I'll be stuck in bed or something so um, I, I allow myself to feel those feelings and uh, to cry and do what I have to do and, and, and to remember. And, and then I started, then I started going into the rabbit hole of, oh my gosh, there's a picture of so-and-so like that one I sent you of Darren. I sent yeah. that to him and I started coming across all these old, the teammates and the memories and stuff. And it's just awesome. I love it. I always tell the kids life will never be the same. Doesn't mean it can't be wonderful. So we're going to do that for Bob. We're going to make it wonderful. That's awesome, Danny. You're such a, you're an amazing woman. And I, I know he's, uh, he's extremely proud of you and, and all the kids. I know he is. And I'll be honest, I, uh, before the podcast, I went outside and like I told you, I smoked a joint, but I was, you know, I had a little conversation with Bob and, and, uh, and, and the God of my understanding and uh, just said, thanks. And, and honestly, like, because, you know, and I just looked up to him and I, cause Maddie Lazinski was number 24 too, eh? So like they're both number, yeah. So they're both number 24 and I'm like, yeah, like, don't worry. I got this down here, but I need some help. So, you know, like it's a lot of people, um, that, that are now starting to see, um, how prevalent, um, mental health is in, in everyday life. And it's a very hot topic and addiction. And, and the, the beauty of it is, is that more people are talking about it, um, which, which gives me hope that, you know, the stigma will drop down, that people will be more inclined to get the help they need um, and that people will be more understanding because uh, in my experience, it was extremely difficult going to rehab, especially as the hockey player, um, you know, 
people look at you differently. They treat you differently. And I was no Bob Probert. I'm, you know what I mean? And people treated me like I was a God in, in rehab. So I can only imagine and everywhere you go. And, uh, I'm glad I was really glad to hear that you didn't read any of those stories and that you wanted to get to know me because, you know, it automatically changes people's perspective when they find out, you know, you were a pro hockey player at any level. I don't care what you say. Um, it's afforded me a lot of opportunities. Um, it's also been sort of, uh, a crutch too. That's I relied on for a long time. I'm not going to get in trouble. I'll get away with this because I'm a hockey player, you know, or whatever. And mm-hmm. of course that's the wrong attitude to have. And we all know that doesn't last. So, uh, you know, but I want to say before we go, um, seriously, I've said it already, but thank you, Danny. Like, thank you for, for all that you've done, um, in Bob's memory. Thank you for calling me and doing this. And I hope that one day you'll do this again with me and we can have a, another conversation about what's going on with the probert ride and, and you can give us an update and all of that um oh and you'll be showing me your license right of course but I, before i go too i always say before i go but because i like to talk uh people have seen this i almost broke my hat the other day this is the original puck support hat this is the only one i have i don't have any other hats there are other hats but i don't have any right you've seen this some people have seen this but so i was watching tough guy with matt my buddy and i'm like sitting there and i'm like i got up and i went and i printed off on on the machine the vinyl machine and i came back in the room and i was like look at this it's coming off a little bit but i'm like showed matt i'm like look at that i'm like that's sick and i'm like that's i'm like i'm gonna do that on every single piece of puck support clothing I love it. You know, this one also. Is that mine? I have one for you coming. It's pink. I hope so. I love it. All the kids. You know, that's on the inside. We have, you know, Todd Ewan and Rick Rippon, you know, and the list is unfortunately growing. I I got news uh, recently that I found out a couple other young hockey players that have committed suicide recently, and it's just tragic. So, you know, there's a lot of different issues uh, out there, certainly in the hockey world. Uh, that's where my focus is, Danny, because that's what I know is is hockey and mental health and addiction. And uh, so I'm hoping that people can can really see what what I'm trying to do. I know people are seeing what you're trying, what you're doing down there in Windsor. Keep it up. Um, what did I say to you last night? What did I text you? I have to pull it up. What'd you say? What's Bob? What did he used to say all the time? What did he sign his autographs? Oh, yeah. Keep, keep, keep your dukes up. Keep your dukes up. That's right. I love it. I forgot that. I I remembered, but you put me on the spot there and I forgot. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. You, you said that's how he signed his autographs. Keep your dukes up. And I think that's so cool. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep fighting Danny. And uh, that's what, yeah, that is what you messaged me. And that was what kept me going the other day. Now that I, that is the exact message where I show, you know, and I was like, yeah. So thank you so much. And thank you to, I know Tierney's, you know, supported what I've done and I appreciate that and say hello to all the kids. They're not kids so much anymore. I know they're growing up and, but you know, uh, I can't wait to, to come down there and meet you guys. And I promise you I'm getting my motorcycle license. Good. Good. I have a list of things to do, and that is now number one. Okay. Awesome. awesome. Okay, at least make it in the top ten. Make it yeah. in the top ten. Okay. Well, I gotta get. Well, yeah, we're. I gotta get my. I'm moving into a new house first, and then that's number two. So we'll get my family situated, and then we'll be down there. Um, I'll have to uh, maybe be in one of those sidecars to start the first year, 
Somebody okay. could drive me on a side. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, you can ride, bitch. Either way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not likely. Not oh, likely. Oh. <laughs> I, fuck. I don't care. I've looked worse. Look at me. I got no teeth. I've been homeless. I don't give a shit, man. I, it's all in good fun, right? Absolutely. I okay. love it. Okay, Danny. Thank you so much. Happy New Year. Happy New Happy Year. 2021, baby. 2021. I'm going to take you out, and I'm going to talk for like a couple minutes and say bye to everybody. But you are such an incredible lady and you have no idea how much fun this was for me how awesome this was for me just being able to look up and see bob behind you like fuck is that ever cool like you know and uh thank you for sharing all the stories and and supporting what i'm doing and uh anything i can do to help your cause you don't need me i'm just little old me but um i can i can i can make some noise sometimes too so you're uh, awesome keep doing what you're doing i love it and i support you a hundred percent so Thanks, Danny. Awesome. Thanks. Happy New, Happy New Year. Wow. Are you fucking kidding me? Somebody pinch me. What the hell's going on right now? This is, uh, what a way to bring in the new year. Wow. 2020. What a year it's been. Um, this might be the ultimate way to wrap it up. I, I could never, ever imagined, never mind in 2011 when I read Tough Guy for the first time. I've read it three times, by the way. Um, even sitting there watching the documentary for the first time, whatever it was, a month or two ago. Um, even when I reached out to Danny Probert, even when Tierney Probert started following me and Danny Probert started following me, I was like, there's no way she's coming on the podcast. There's no way. There's just no way. But I was like, I don't, this is, it was cool enough for me just to, just to have their support. So thank you, you guys. Honestly, it's been a very, very, very tough, tough 10, 12 years. Fuck. It's been a tough 33 years, to be honest. Um, and I know a lot of you guys out there feel me on that. A lot of people have gone through different traumas, different addictions. People out there right now are struggling with addiction. There's people that are homeless right now. I have friends that are homeless right now. And I have friends that are in jail right now. Um, those people are good people. Those people are good people. I mean, there's some shitty people too. Don't get me wrong. Those people are good people. There's good people that are lost doing some pretty bad things. And it is my hope, it is my hope that through what we've done today on this podcast, through future podcasts, through anybody that's trying to do positive things, it is my hope that maybe my message or somebody else's message can lift just one person up this year. Just one person. Because if you would have asked me the beginning of 2020, if I would have been sitting here talking to Danny Probert and had all these amazing people on a podcast, hell, even had a podcast, hell, even be alive, be clean, I would have told you you were fucking lying to me, 100%. Just like if you would have told me when I was 18 years old that I would have become a heroin addict, I would have been like, there's no way, no way. I'm here to tell you anything can happen anything can happen. And I don't mean that just in a good way. Bad things happen too. So before you do anything tonight on New Year's Eve, stop and think. Stop and think. 
Stop and think about what you're doing and how it's going to affect you, how it's going to affect those around you, how it's going to affect the community. These are the things that I do today. And these are the things that are helping me. I have a long ways to go. 2021 is going to be my year. It's going to be my year. It will be the best year of my life. I know it. I can feel it. And uh, I'm so thankful that you all have supported what I've done. If you're listening for the first time, thank you so much. If you do go back, if you do go back and listen to the very first episode, it was called Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery. I apologize. It was fucking terrible. (laughs) But it, it makes me laugh because you want to know what? I took a fucking chance. I took a chance. I sat in Taylor's mom's car with a borrowed laptop with no microphone against my dad's advice once again. But this time it paid off. This time it paid off. I listened to my heart. I knew I had to do it. It's not paying my bills by any means, but in a sense it is because this gives me purpose. It's allowed me to connect with so many amazing people, former hockey players, hockey players' wives, maybe more importantly, people that are just out there struggling, trying to do good, people that identify with some of the things that I've gone through. Thank you for spending your last hour and 17 minutes with me and Danny Probert, if that's what you did, if you just tuned in, catching the last few minutes. Hey, thanks. You're going to get to hear my sign offline anyways. It's New Year's Eve. Please, guys, no drinking and driving. No drinking and driving. You simply make a good choice tonight. Make a good choice at the end of the night. Whatever you're doing, I know it's COVID. People are locked up essentially, but I've lost friends to drinking and driving and I've lost my license to drinking and driving. So let's let's all make the smart choices tonight. You guys heard it here. Danny Probert says I get to drive the Moo Moo. What? What? Craziness. I can't wait. If you don't think I'm going to have a live video of that, you're fucking nuts. Okay, guys, that's it. Episode 13, Hockey to Hell and Back, featuring the lovely Danny Probert. Thank you, Danny. Um, All the Probert family. Thank you so, so, so much. I've had a lot of wonderful people come into my life. Um, But something about you guys really lifted my spirits in the last month. So, I want to say thank you. Hope you guys all have a great, great New Year's Eve and an even better 2021, guys. It's up to you. How's your year going to be? What are you going to do? How are you going to spend your time? Who are you going to talk to? What are you going to watch on TV? It's up to you. The choice is yours. Just remember, have a great day if you so choose.